It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on the glorious return to work for all those people who thought having a long weekend off was a good idea. I, of course, was not one of them. Technically speaking, they should all be off for another day, of course, as today is St George's Day and Jeremy Corbyn wants workers to have a break. I've got news for you, Jezza. They've just had a long weekend off. But for once, I actually agree with you. Here is uh, what Jeremy Corbyn has to say on Twitter this morning. Happy St George's Day to everyone celebrating in England and across the world. We'll make today one of four new bank holidays for the whole of the UK, workers deserve a break and a chance to celebrate our country's traditions of fairness and social justice. Well, thank you very much indeed, Jeremy. Uh, have you told Emily Thornberry, by the way, who seems to think the flag of St George is some kind of racist emblem? Why shouldn't we have a holiday to celebrate the patron saint of England? After all, the Irish have St Patrick, the Scots have got St Andrew, and the Welsh even have St David. Now, that Brexit is upon us. What better reason to recognise our own nation properly? And isn't it time to reclaim the flag of St George anyway from where it currently resides? 0344 499 1000. Coming up, I'll be asking what on earth makes the new IRA think it's okay to apologise for killing Lyra McKee by accident last week in Derry, and when are they going to shut down their ghastly terrorist organisation and hand themselves in for some kind of imprisonment? Plus, I'll be asking why major supermarkets think it's okay to monitor shoppers as they go about their business inside the store, and I'll be finding out why mothers are under more stress than ever. Apparently, mothers can't cope. Well, if you couldn't cope with having a child, maybe you shouldn't have had one. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, every year St George's Day comes around, and it's always a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Because when St Patrick's Day comes around, everybody goes, oh, we know St Patrick's Day's coming because we're all planning to go out uh, on the Terps. We're all going to have a great time. We're all going to have a drink, and we're all going to pretend we're Irish for the day. St Andrew's Day in Scotland is pretty much the same. Everybody has a good time. Everybody enjoys themselves. They use it as an excuse to have some social activity. In Wales, St David's Day, 1st of March, I think, normally, uh, everybody enjoys themselves. They wear daffodils. They wear leeks. They put a little badge on. Uh, they have pride in their country. In, in England, it's St George. 
George's Day, you have to creep about and suddenly discover by accident, oh, look, it's St George's Day. I have not seen one St George's flag on my way into work this morning. I no doubt will not see one on my way home either. What is that all about? And the idea that Jeremy Corbyn and I finally agreed on something is even more reason to celebrate the day and the idea that it should be a holiday. Now, I'm not saying that what we should have had this weekend was a five-day holiday, off from Thursday night into Friday off, Saturday off, Sunday off, Monday off, and then Tuesday. But normally speaking, Easter comes around a little bit earlier. And so St George's Day would stand alone as a holiday for everybody to have the day off. Now, I think it's a great idea, and I'm sure many of you will agree with me. 0344 The only time you really see St George's flags is during the Football World Cup, when people fly them from their cars, people hang them outside their windows, people put them up outside pubs. People suggest that the St George's flag only really means that you support the England football team. And I don't think we should have it as that emblem. I think we should have it as the emblem of a nation, particularly now that Brexit is coming. Well, we say Brexit's coming, but uh, having had uh, the politicians all off for a few days, it doesn't seem as if they've come back with any new ideas. More of that later, of course. Surely we should be able to have pride in our nation, we should have pride in our patron saint, and we should have pride in St George, shouldn't we? Let's talk to Paul Conyu, columnist for the New European, who I feel sure uh, will agree with me. Paul, a very good morning to you. Well, I often don't agree with you, Michael, with Jeremy Corbyn, but on this, but on this occasion, I do. Excellent. Although, although I think you obviously, obviously haven't been anywhere near any any Nigel Farage or UKIP rallies, because you'll be seeing plenty of uh, union of union well, flags around there. Well, that's but, a union uh, flag, though, isn't it? I mean, that's not the St George's flag, which is something entirely different. All I ever see St George's flags waving around on uh, is when we're in a World Cup. You, you do see them at some of the uh, some of the UKIP, and I, I, I imagine I haven't yet I haven't yet yet been anywhere near a Farage rally, but I'm sure there will be. Yeah, one. I haven't been to but, any either. Maybe that's why I haven't seen any. But Jeremy Corbyn, actually, when he's pondering his position on Brexit and still straddling his fudge fence, he mm. might want to consider that St George is probably the ultimate, uh, you know, pan-European, the ultimate multicultural man. Yeah. I mean, he's he's back. He's, he never set foot in England, by the way. But in fact, but his his heritage, his family was. Part Greek, part Palestinian, and part Turkish. Right. And how did how did he end up being our our patron saint then? How did that work? That came about in the eighth century, apparently, when uh, you know when the legend about him killing a dragon, which right. uh, which I think we can probably assume probably isn't, isn't true, <laughs> or which <laughs> may or may not have been Welsh, <laughs> right? Starring in an early version of Game of Thrones, but in fact, uh, you know, but uh, but anyway, but he's also I discovered I didn't realise this but until I had your researcher called me. I had a quick check is also, by the way, speaking of multiculturalism, is also the patron saint of Lithuania, Greece, Bulgaria, <laughs> Palestine and Ethiopia. So uh, I think Jeremy can actually well, feel totally multicultural on that, on that one. Well, I'm amazed that we haven't seen, in that case, Jeremy laying a wreath at some kind of tomb of the unknown uh, St George, somewhere uh, between Palestine and Turkey, in that case, which maybe explains why he suddenly got this overwhelming desire to show patriotism, because Corbyn, as you well know, Paul, has never really really been uh, one of the great patriots of this nation has he no but no he, no, he ha- no he hasn't i think it's that's fair to say i don't think i don't think he's uh, i don't think he's particularly unpatriotic but he's not actually what you might call um uh, you know um somebody who wears his patriotism well let's his, put it this know, way on, i mean emily sleeve, emily but... thornberry who famously uh, tweeted and has never been allowed to forget it and i'm not going to allow her to forget it either uh, that she that she showed a picture of somebody flying st george's flag and more or less called them racists for doing so i mean that's the side of the labor party that corbyn's on 
Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. As you know, I'm no, I'm no Corbynista, but I, you know, but I think, I think sometimes, I think I disagree with him strongly on things like, you know, like his view of disarmament and the, the nuclear issue. But I don't think he's particularly unpatriotic. But I think he, uh, he sees, he sees himself more. Funnily enough, he sees himself as a globalist in some He's way, an internationalist, he? yeah. But what I, I guess what I'm saying is, you can't imagine Jeremy Corbyn, fly, you know, flying a, 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 an England flag. In any situation no, I, at all, can you? No, I don't. I don't think he'll be he'll be digging his allotment while you know. Even, even if he if this idea gets through, and I see they've been expressed today, are running a big poll. I think we can. I'm sure if they made a public holiday, I'm sure the answer to that we can we can we can uh, guess right now. But you know, yeah, but, but Jeremy Corbyn won't certainly won't be digging his allotment while wearing a wearing a St George <laughs> or you know uh, you know a t-shirt yeah. flag t-shirt, but. It, but uh, you know, but back to St George again. Funnily enough, I mean, he he was the ultimate sort of um, European jobbing jobbing traveller. He yeah. was a soldier who served uh, three different Roman emperors, I think, and was eventually put to death for his Christian views, which is where, of course, the legend uh, you know and the sainthood you know originates from. So what would be the reason against having a public holiday? Because, the, as I said, I mean, St. Patrick's Day is universally celebrated. I mean, you and I remember well our time in America where you would basically see everybody. Yeah, I mean, everybody of every hue and colour and, and creed and, and religion and, 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 and no matter where they were from, whether it was Puerto what, Rico or Portugal. And while Portugal, you're mentioning the new, the new IRA, a dreadful prospect, of yeah. course, let's not forget that St. Patrick's Day is celebrated on both sides of yes. the Irish... Order. It, he's the he's the patron saint of, of of both the Republic of Ireland, you know, and and Northern and Northern Ireland. Yeah, no, um, indeed. And but what I'm saying is, it's culturally speaking, that is a worldwide celebration all over the place. Because I mean, not for, for no accident, there are plenty of Irish bars in almost every part of the world that you go to. Uh, similarly, St Andrew's Day is very well celebrated in Scotland and by Scots. And it's a public holiday. And St. by St. Scots Day around the world. Way. But St David's Day, funnily enough, isn't. No. So I think I think in the interest of the union, we should actually also support uh, having St David's Day made a bank holiday for our, you know, for our Welsh brethren too. Yeah. Perhaps, the, perhaps that's of course it's issue for the Welsh Assembly, not the. Not, not the West. Well, I don't. I wonder about that because I don't know whether the Welsh Assembly has enough powers to declare national holidays. It may not. I think it, I think it does. does. I think it? it does. I'm not totally sure on that, but I think I think it does. And I don't think there will be any any objections from Westminster. In fact, you know, if if Wales decided it wanted to have a bank holiday for St David's Day, apparently some local authorities in Wales do give off their own bat do give kids half a day off school on St David's Day but it's not a uni- it's not a, it's not a, a, a it's not an official policy and it's not an it's certainly not a bank holiday in Wales. No, quite. And what about the kind of uh, iconoclastic kind of view of the England flag? Because I'm getting tweets already from people saying the problem with the England flag is not so much about uh, the right-wing associations, but the football hooligan-type association. Mike says, Jay, the problem is the English flag symbolises English hooligans and the disgusting reputation the fans carry abroad. And there is a bit of that, isn't there? There is a bit of that. And, I, you know, and, it, and I think I'm as horrified as you are when you see heavily tattooed you know, flag-waving English football outs in action abroad, you know, shaming us. But I, but I think that isn't that isn't an argument. That's an argument for, in fact, better control and banning, you know, the the unruly elements in foot, you know, in football and also in politics. You know, people who uh, who attack MPs, you know, in the name of uh, of right-wing nationalism and often often have uh, 
union tattoos, mm. you know, over them. But I right. think that's not an argument against making St George's Day a public holiday. No, I mean, quite. I think, but how is it? How is that happening? It's probably, it's probably it's probably hoping this will play well with yeah. the Leave voting Northern Labour seats. Which is the reason, of course, he is still prevaricating over over a second yeah. referendum. You know. But this is weird, isn't it? Because I mean, the Scottish flag, the flag of St Andrew, is not has not been appropriated like that. The Welsh flag certainly hasn't. Uh, the Irish flag hasn't either. You know, I wonder what it is about the England flag that has allowed it somehow to be misused and and to be kind of stolen in a way by those uh, who have no right to own it. Yeah, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and it's you know, and it's nauseate in one level. I mean, I think the only the only doubt I would have about making it a bank holiday, although I'm in favour of it, is you know, is that it would be massively cheered, you know, by by the likes of Tommy Robinson, etc., mm. who would um, no doubt go and get go, go out and consume lots of booze on it. And of course, booze is that booze is that is the, is the common denominator factor in so much you know of you know when you when you do see england football fans you know behaving insanely and violently abroad it's normally mm. a combination of alcohol as well as uh, yeah. as well as wearing wearing union jack t-shirts and you know etc so yeah. i think no, I know that I know that Theresa May is. Side, that's the downside of, yeah. of it, but it's not. But it's not a case, I think, to actually say, well, we 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 should allow these louts and extremists to actually decide whether or whether we we should actually have a, a, a St George's Day bank holiday. Because because I mean, to, I think the idea is sound, and the argument, although I can understand why 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 some some listeners are, are tweeting or texting in. Their misgivings, but I think that I think that's almost like surrendering, you know, to you know, to the extremists and the louts and the hooligans. Right. Well, I've got uh, Harry uh, sending me this tweet. I would be concerned about being branded a racist for waving the flag of Saint George, says Harry uh, from Saint Albans, and that's unfortunately how a lot of people feel. Would I mean we we all know Theresa May as as is probably perhaps the most hopeless prime minister in the history of prime ministers, but wouldn't she steal a march on Corbyn right now if she just came out and said today is Saint George's Day? I'm going to declare from this day forth that every year we have it, it's going to be a bank holiday. A bit late for that, Mike, because because she, she would obviously look like she, you know, Jeremy Corbyn was calling the shots as many as many Tories think he already is. Yeah, but I mean, but she couldn't surely look any worse than she already does. She might as well, you know, try and make it look as if she's trying to be popular. Can you can you imagine can you imagine Mark Francois's reaction? I mean, although he might. He'll probably welcome the idea. He would actually probably also attack Theresa May for not doing it before Jeremy Corbyn mm. had advocated it. Yeah. So I think I think she's between the devil and the deep blue sea on that one. Yeah, no, absolutely right. It's a shame, though. It really is that none of the politicians in this country can actually get it organised to do something that the people would actually like to see done. Paul, thanks very much indeed. Paul Conyu, columnist for the New European, uh, and a man who agrees with me on very few things, but agrees with me on this, that we should have, as Jeremy Corbyn suggests, a national holiday. If Theresa May has a proper bone in her body of patriotism, and if she has a proper uh, sense of what it is that people want, and if she had even any decent advisers around her, surely to heavens she would do this for England and St George. This is Talk Radio. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 03444991000. You can, of course, tweet us at Talk Radio. You can tweet me at IROMG, as in the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Text us as well, 87222. Text will cost you 25p, plus your standard network rate. Uh, and start your message with the word talk. And here's one uh, from Steve, who's texted in. He said, if supermarkets are filming us, who do I write to for my royalties check? Well, that's a very good question, Steve. Good luck. Maybe that's what we should all do. Maybe we should all send letters in uh, to all of the... Uh, shops that have been mentioned tesco's the co-op uh, b&q boots and say i understand you've been using my uh, image for nefarious purposes possibly for commercial gain uh, and certainly for analytical data purposes i would like my pound of flesh uh, you have to pay me 50 quid even if it's only 50 quid dave says the caller who was talking about cameras at the pay at the pumps watching you put your pin number in police scotland actually put a video clip out telling us not to use them is that interesting? Uh, so, I mean, you have to be a bit careful out there because, uh, as our caller said from Sunderland, you can actually see what number you're putting in if you're standing inside um, the uh, kiosk where people are paying. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Daniel says, very interesting piece on supermarkets. I noticed my face was being tracked in March. Maybe I should seek redress. Sorry for the terrible picture quality. He sent a picture in uh, of himself in a shop. Uh, and above him is a picture of him walking along the corridor in the same shop. It really is remarkable. I had no idea that they were doing this. I really had no idea, and I think it's quite disgraceful. Uh, I'd like to hear some more of your experiences, please. Oh, eight, seven, uh, sorry, 0344-499-1000 uh, is the number. Let's talk to Kieran Osborne now, though, who's Director of Action, director of Policy, I should say, and Action on Smoking Health. Because you might remember, a little while ago, Smoking uh, Public Health England came out and said that vaping was a good idea. Their motivation for doing so uh, was basically saying that, well, of course, it's much better than smoking. I suggested that it might be a bit 
bit of a dangerous piece of advice to be giving out. And it now turns out that a scientist has actually criticised them and said that they are turning a blind eye to the risk of e-cigarettes. And he's saying to Public Health England, stop ignoring the dangers of vaping. Let's talk uh, to Kieran and find out what he makes of it all. Kieran, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you too. So what do you make of all this? I remember at the time thinking it's a bit unusual for an organisation like Public Health England to be actually advocating and, and, and actively seemingly encouraging people to vape. Well, I think there's, um, there's a consensus that vaping is 95% less harmful than smoking. And what Public Health England are doing, which I think is the right thing, is saying that if you want to use e-cigarettes, vaping as a way to quit smoking, then you should. And I think that, that, that definitely lines up with what we think at ASH as well. Yeah, but it wasn't actually saying that, was it? I mean, their advice at the time, I seem to remember, uh, was actually they were kind of trying to encourage people to vape. It wasn't just if you're giving up smoking. It was almost encouraging it as an alternative to smoking, saying, look, if you have to smoke anything vape instead. Well, yeah, so vaping is definitely better than smoking. I mean, the Public Health England definitely weren't recommending that people who, who don't smoke, who never smoked, take up vaping. But um, like, vaping is the best, it is a really good way to quit smoking. Um, there's a randomised control trial earlier this year which showed it's twice as effective in a stop smoking service setting. And um, the Smoking Toolkit study, which is a, um, an annual study from University College London, um, shows us that more and more smokers are using e-cigarettes to quit smoking. And I think anything that basically stops people smoking tobacco that, you know, contributes to the deaths of, of 100,000 people every year in the UK is a good thing. Well, Professor Martin McKee doesn't agree with you. He's from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. He says there are grounds for serious concerns about e-cigarettes, and he's particularly critical uh, of of Health England's uh, Public Health England's idea of actually putting out uh, vaping as as a prescription cure. Well, um, actually, I think that he said that he'd be keen to see e-cigarettes used in a medicinal way, and I think we'd we'd we'd, we'd welcome that as well. But alongside, kind of. Um, being able to just being sold directly to, to smokers at the same time. Another thing that Professor McKee said is that he, he kind of welcomed the San Francisco model where they've actually banned um, e-cigarettes. But um, we, we think that, that that sounds astounding, to be to be honest, because, um, you know, why would you ban e-cigarettes, which, you know, uh, the experts agree are 95% less harmful than t- tobacco when, you don't, when you're not banning smoking itself? So... You know, as long as... It, I, th- uh, I think he, like I, Kieran, just feels slightly uneasy about a health body, which is supposed to be promoting health, saying to people, do this because it's not as bad as doing that. I mean, it's not real. I mean, it's a bit like saying, you know, don't, don't drive at 100 miles an hour, drive at 90 miles an hour, uh, you might not die. Uh, well, I mean, to follow that analogy, it's more like saying, don't drive at 100 miles an hour, drive at five miles an hour. You know, because it's not. Well, that's just as dangerous as driving at ninety. I think you'll find. Yeah, well, I suppose it depends where you are. But um, I suppose the, the the point is here that um, as a harm reduction method, as a way of moving people from from being smokers to quitting smoking, e-cigarettes are a great way to do that. And I think it, it it doesn't make any sense to take that option away from people who want to give up smoking. And has this particular campaign been successful? Then have loads of people given up smoking cigarettes and started smoking e-cigarettes? Uh, some people have. Yeah. Um, what, How what, many? Um, sorry, I don't have the, the figures to me, but I can probably send them to you later on. Um, but what well, there's I would no point sending them to me later on, Kieran. Yeah. I'm talking to you now, man. What I would say is that the, the, the problem that we see around e-cigarettes is that people still don't know enough about them. Around 40%... Well, they could smoking. be really dangerous. That's the point. I mean, we don't really have enough information, and that's what he's saying. Uh, we haven't had them around long enough, is his quote. Um, when we look at the evidence we do have, there's enough grounds for serious concerns. 
Well, actually, um, the, the problem that we're facing around what people know about e-cigarettes is that 40% of people think they're just as harmful or more harmful than cigarettes. And that's, but maybe they that's are. Just, it's just wrong. No, I mean, there's, there's, there's consensus on this that they're 95% less harmful than well, cigarettes. Well, where, where does that come from, Kieran? We haven't studied them for long enough. They haven't been around for long enough. You don't know what, for example, 20 years of vaping will do to someone because we haven't had it around for 20 years. Well, that's true, but I mean, and, and I should say I'm not a medical doctor, but there's a there's a there's a lot of, of, of people who've spent their lives researching tobacco, researching how to stop smoking tobacco, researching how to improve the, the health of the public around tobacco, who who are pretty much agreed that e-cigarettes are 95 percent less. Well, you uh, keep saying that, but you don't yeah. supply me with any evidence. Researchers, well, I, well, I can, researchers, I can provide you with with a with a reference if you want the smoking toolkit study. Um, well, who, who's but who's who's doing these studies? Researchers at New York University subjected human bladder and lung cells to e-cigarette vapors, uh, which are marketed as being healthier than tobacco. They found the cells mutated and became cancerous much faster than expected. And mice exposed to the vapor suffered significant DNA damage. That doesn't sound harmless to me. I mean, but what you're doing there is taking um, a specific study which yeah. exposed, exposed people to ex- exposed mice to really high levels. Okay, of, um, well, here's another one. Queen Mary University, there. London, found vaping makes users more likely to catch pneumonia, just like smoking tobacco or breathing in traffic fumes. So there's two studies there. Yeah, but um, but what, what these studies don't in any way disprove is that um, e-cigarette use is 95% better than smoking. Well, you keep no, saying that, say, yeah, no, You just keep saying, repeating that. Yeah, but nobody is saying that if, you, if you're not currently smoking, then you should start vaping. Nobody's saying that. What they're saying is... Yeah, but you're still you in the business of promoting something which could be harmful, which people, I think, have a right to know. it's harmful than tobacco. We know it's, it's substantially less harmful than tobacco. Yeah, but it could still be harmful, Kieran, is my point. Surely that is the, not the point of, of Public Health England recommending something to someone which might do them harm, because if Public Health England says it's all right, I would have an expectation, as most people would, that they're recommending something which is not bad for me. If well, they're so recommending something that's England, bad for me, then that's a bad idea. What Public Surely. Health England is saying, though, is that e-cigarettes are better than tobacco, which everyone agrees Yeah, but they you're are. missing my point. You, surely you're getting my point, Kieran. Surely the, the Public Health England policy should not be about recommending things which could be harmful. So, like, as I've said, and I'll say again, nobody at Public Health England is recommending that you start vaping if you're not currently smoking. They're saying that if... If you can move from smoking to vaping, then that is a yeah, good thing. Yeah, I understand thing. that. And, right, We're just so, going so around so in circles here, Kieran. Are you telling me that you think it's a good idea for a public health body to recommend something to someone as a patient which might harm them? Are you saying that's a good policy? I'm saying that in this case it is, yeah. I'm really? That if, if you I find that staggering. Smoking, if you can stop smoking by using vaping, then you should do it. Really? I mean, everyone should stop smoking anyway, to be honest. But if, if the way if the way to do that is to use e-cigarettes, then, you know, Ash, we fully support that. Mm, interesting times. Kieran, thank you very much indeed. Kieran Osborne, Director of, Policy, uh, Director of Policy at Action on Smoking Health, who actually thinks that Public Health England uh, should be giving out information to people which leads them to do something which could harm them. I find that extraordinary. I find it absolutely staggering. And, and obviously there are people who now agree with me because it would appear that we do not know enough about vaping. We do not know enough about e-cigarettes and the damage that they can do long term. And according to Professor McKee, uh, who is a man uh, who I think I stand very next to, very much next to, Martin McKee from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, uh, he says it's wrong that they should be promoting this stuff. I think he's absolutely right. 0344 499 1000. It's a funny old world. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK. 
online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is, of course, the day after the Easter weekend. Uh, the Extinction Rebellion crowd seems to have disappeared to a large extent out of central London. They're certainly not on Waterloo Bridge anymore. They might be somewhere down near Parliament. Uh, the parliamentarians, of course, have returned uh, from their Easter recess and apparently they haven't got any more ideas than they had before they went away. They might be all a bit more rested. They might be all a bit more refreshed. But I'm afraid they don't appear to have any more uh, idea about what to do uh, as far as getting out of the European Union is concerned. We'll take more of your calls on that uh, coming up in this hour, 0344 499 1000. We've been talking about St George's Day as well. Jeremy Corbyn wants to make it a national holiday. I actually agree with him. It's the first time I think he and I have agreed on anything, so it must be a good idea. 0344 499 1000. Coming up in this hour, though, uh, we're going to be talking to Big Brother Watch because, incredibly, uh, it appears that uh, not only do our supermarkets track everything that we buy if we've got a loyalty card, not only uh, do they keep an idea uh, in their heads of precise which way we like to shop but they've also been filming us secretly as well whenever we go into the big supermarkets they are following us around they are analyzing precisely what we do when we do it why we do it and sometimes they even publish the videos on youtube without our permission surely this can't be allowed can it it's a fantastic uh, expose by the daily mail uh, and i'm going to be finding out precisely why these uh, shops think that they can get away with it 0344 499 1000 you're listening to me mike graham right here on talk radio the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, we're talking here about Tesco's, we're talking about Boots, we're talking about Sainsbury's, and the co-op have all commissioned something called the SBXL, Behavioural Analysis Agency, to record customers as they shop in the aisles of their supermarkets. I find this absolutely and utterly quite disgusting, really. I mean, it's almost as bad as discovering uh, that people like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all sorts of other social media giants were actually recording things that we were saying and listening to those recordings and sometimes listening live to some of the things that we were doing in the privacy of our own homes. This, for me, is just as bad. Let's talk to Silky Carlo, director of Big Brother Watch, to find out how on earth they've got away with this and what we can actually do about it. Silky, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. This is quite a shocking expose by the mail, isn't it? I mean, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a behavioural analysis agency, but I suppose it makes sense that there is such a thing. But in order to, uh, to, to, to gain the information that they are providing to all of these big companies, they're actually watching us as we shop. It's really concerning and I think is part of a, a much bigger picture that we have in, in this country with ever encroaching uh, surveillance mm. and being watched all the time for different purposes. Um, here we see customers being treated, frankly, like guinea pigs in experiments. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're already used to um, retail, uh, shops and supermarkets being heavily watched by security cameras. But the idea of cameras being actually hidden in shelves, watching how we're picking up products, looking at them, mm. putting them down, and then seeking to manipulate our behaviours based on that. 
that's a, a, a lurch forward towards something a bit more disturbing. It really is. And, and would there not be, or perhaps I'm, I'm wrong to assume there would, would there not be some kind of protection for us from this? Because it's one thing, you know, to be walking down a street knowing that there is a CCTV camera pointing at you, knowing that if a crime was to be committed, the police could capture that footage and maybe try and capture the assailant as well. But this is kind of passive-aggressive filming in a way, isn't it? It is, and it, it's a, it completely breaches customers' rights, which is why uh, there's a quite concerning angle about this. And what the, the behavioural analysis company has claimed is that it had written consent forms from everyone that was filmed. <laughs> I find well, that's that, rubbish, um, isn't it? <laughs> I find it difficult to believe, to put it diplomatically. Yes. Um, you know what it's like when you're in a supermarket. I've, I've never before seen people signing forms, um, especially the amount of people that walk in front of No. Well, I've certainly never been asked, and I go into plenty of supermarkets. I've never, ever in my life been asked by anyone, would you mind if we filmed you while you were here? Well, exactly. And I mean, how would you feel and how would, how would the listeners feel if then you saw yourself or family members or your children being broadcast on YouTube yeah. uh, in, a, in a supermarket. It's completely unexpected. It would be a complete flagrant breach of the law. Um, and yes, yeah, so we, we do have laws in, in place to protect us from this kind of thing. But I think what's really worrying is the kind of attitude that retailers and big companies have towards our privacy yeah. and towards because it's those kinds of attitudes and the complete disrespect that has allowed this to happen. Yeah. I mean, one of the things apparently that they use it for is to see how we react to certain kind of almost advertising uh, slogans and, and pictures, for example. I mean, I was reading this morning uh, that they quite like the idea of using lots of pictures of, of sweet-looking puppies in the dog food aisle because apparently it makes people buy more dog food, which is, again, it's a rather cynical way of treating your customers, isn't it? Yeah. I've read as well in the... Um fantastic investigation as he said but that um merely by putting the word milk in a certain font they were able to drastically increase sales of a particular type of chocolate right. so the behavioral analysis company is being very open about that they're trying to get us yeah. Silky, let me just stop you for a second because your line is, is breaking up a little bit. I'm going to try and see if we can get a better uh, connection to you just while you're uh, while you're on. Let me just explain a couple of the things that they found this particular investigation uh, doing. Footage which included children remained on the channel for eight years. YouTube videos on SBXL's public channel showed unsuspecting customers in B&Q supermarkets and duty-free outlets. Multinationals are using arms-length agencies for similar sales techniques to avoid breaching data law. Boots allowed the firm to use cameras to analyse just how women apply their makeup. And if you look inside the Daily Mail's coverage, you can actually find um, a, a photograph, even though they've pixelated out the woman's face, uh, a close-up camera capturing a customer examining products in the shop. It's absolutely extraordinary uh, what this stuff is actually available to do. And the idea that children are also going to be involved in this as well uh, seems incredible. I think we've got Silky back. Silky, sorry about that. It was just that you were breaking up really a lot there. Apologies. Yeah, That's no OK. Look, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a deeply, deeply concerning story. And we want to make sure that customers aren't going to be affected by this kind of secret recording again. Right. I mean, if you are somebody who has been victimised, and I'm not using that word lightly because I think they have been victimised here, and you find yourself actually exposed on YouTube without having been uh, asked whether that was okay, if your children are on there, what can you actually do? 
It's a really good question. I, I would urge anyone who may have been affected to go to the information commissioner's office. Right. I mean, if your rights have been breached, um, then you have a right to redress. There is absolutely no way that anyone should have been secretly recorded without their consent, let alone for that footage to, to end up being broadcast right. all over the internet. Mm. And do you think this kind of expose is going to put the, the, the frighteners on them at, at all? Because I would imagine, like all of these things, if, if Tesco's and Boots and Sainsbury's and Co-op uh, and others are using this stuff, I'm sure almost everybody else is. I really hope so. And you know, one of the reasons that this has been really concerning is because we're aware that supermarkets are also looking at putting in facial recognition cameras right. um, at the uh, checkout. So you'll be aware of the self-checkouts now have um, self-facing surveillance screens where you can watch yourself right. um, putting items through the checkout. And there are plans to fit facial recognition cameras onto that. Now, I think that's a, a step in completely the wrong direction mm. and really treats customers, paying customers like criminals. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we really need to urge... Um, the big supermarket chains to, although there is an availability of new technologies, to really stop and think about how to treat customers respectfully yes. um, and not turn into a kind of horrible, <laughs> uh, not turn shopping in their stores into a really horrible and invasive experience. Yeah, well, do you know, I was put off one of the big supermarkets years ago. I was living in Glasgow and we actually moved out of Glasgow into another part of the country. And I got a letter, right, from this supermarket sent to me personally at my home address um, and was forwarded to my new address saying, we're terribly sorry to see that you haven't visited us recently uh, because I had a loyalty card, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, please could you tell us if there's a reason why? Please find enclosed some vouchers to come and spend with us. And it gave me the creeps. I was like, hang on a second. You know where I've been. You know when I've come to your shop. And it was probably naive of me not to realise that that's what they were doing. But I really didn't like it. It's understandable, and the, the sheer scale of data collection in all aspects of, of life now, as you said, not, there's not only Facebook and social media mm. to contend with, but everything that we buy, our shopping experiences, especially shopping online, um, all of that data can be collected about us. The question is then what happens with it? Yes. Well, we're building records about ourselves, but also those records can be sell, sold to insurers, for example. And mm. I think what people really don't expect is that the next level of physical surveillance as well to be actually recorded in the course of their of their daily life but that is also increasing not only on our streets with surveillance cameras but as we see here even in the course of uh, going about our daily business yeah. doing our food shopping um so it really is concerning that's exactly what at big brother watch of course exactly um the kind of growing surveillance uh, in everyday life, yeah. uh, that's what we, we challenge and stand against. And I mean, does the Data Protection Act protect us from them filming or does it protect us after the filming and what they do with it? The new uh, Data Protection Act in the UK um, and the GDPR, which is the, the European regulation, yeah. means that if, the re if a retailer wants to film you for uh, experimental purposes as we've seen here, they would need to have your consent. Obviously, you can't enroll people in psychological experiments right. without even It sounds worrying. The word, the word experiment worries me already, to be honest. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and so it should because, um, you know, we've seen the consequences here and we've seen, you know, people being broadcast on, on YouTube, for yeah. example. So, yeah, absolutely. You would need to have um, a, a form. You'd need, you'd need to have written consent from mm. the people involved. And uh, it, 
it certainly would seem that that hasn't been thought in this in this yeah. case from from the evidence that we've seen. But you can film people if it's for security purposes, um, and this clearly falls way beyond that yeah. because the retailers were actually trying to manipulate their customers into spending more money and buying things they hadn't intended to buy. Because what, for example, is to stop Boots from showing you or showing me walking around a shop buying, um, I don't know, contraception or, you know, buying Viagra or something. I mean, that could be really embarrassing for some people. Well, it's a good point. And, and one of the stores where this uh, recording has been going on is Boots, which is essentially a pharmacist. Yeah. And I think lots of people feel very uncomfortable about being seen looking at um, you know pharmacy items yeah uh, there's a very similar in in lots of the big uh, i mean even if you're just looking for something for a bad rash or something i mean it's, you know it's not something you want broadcast to the nation is it exactly it's very it's very invasive and i think even with the the growth of coverage of um cctv cameras in shops as well um in some of the large supermarkets now there are cctv cameras above um you know, above aisles where you really wouldn't want to be filmed, whether it's, um, far, you know, again, pharmacy products, their alcohol aisle. Um, and the, the cameras are not only filming, but also have screens up, which are playing the CCTV footage live yeah. so other shoppers can see what you're what you're looking at and picking up as well uh, i find this and our supporters find this incredibly invasive the idea of this being done secretly the idea of it being done with facial recognition cameras this is all going down a path mm. that is a very slippery slope i think sure and are you able to do anything about this silky i mean in your capacity as big brother watch are you going to be making representations to any of these organizations well, concerns have been raised with the Information Commissioner's Office, and okay. they oversee uh, data data protection in this country. So, we will be looking to them now to investigate and take action, and we will certainly um, keep a very close mm. eye on how that develops. Because from what we've seen, there's been a clear breach of the law here, and it shouldn't be allowed to happen again. No, quite right, Silky. Thanks very much indeed. Sorry about the earlier uh, phone problem, Silky Carlo, director of Big Brother Watch. This is quite an extraordinary story, I have to tell you. I mean, I imagine there won't be many of you out there who even know about this never mind have found yourself on youtube uh, as a result of this agency sbxl but i'd love to know uh, whether you've had any strange communications from any odd supermarkets and and places where you have sort of you know habitually gone shopping because these people are insidiously and invidiously collecting information on you and who knows what the hell they're doing with it i'm not happy about this at all 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number to call us on we'll take your calls next here on talk radio dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio and you can tell everybody this is your song it may be quite simple but now that it's done this is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, uh, we're going to go down to Sri Lanka and get the latest uh, from there as they uh, still try to repair uh, their terribly damaged society and their terribly damaged 
uh, psyches after those dreadful bombings the other day. Uh, Cole says this on Twitter. I gave up cigarettes five years ago by taking up vaping. The cough's gone. Lungs are clear. Tried a cigarette on a drunken night out a while back and I felt like I was inhaling the end of an exhaust pipe. I dread to think how much damage I was doing. Uh, you don't realise how potent it is until you stop. And some people are also saying that to me. Uh, the NHS uh, says uh, uh, IM uh, frequently use treatments for substance addiction, many of which are harmful but are considerably better than the addictive substance. It's a case of choosing the better of two evils, e.g. methadone for opioid use disorder. Well, that's all very well. But the problem for me is that Public Health England is a public health body. And if you are recommending as a public health body people do something which might be harmful, surely that goes against the Hippocratic Oath, doesn't it? Which says do no harm. You're actually, you may be telling them to do something which is less harmful than what they're currently doing, but you're still giving them the impression that what you're suggesting is actually not harmful, when it might well be more harmful, or at least as harmful, because we don't yet know. That's my point. 03444991000. Richard uh, is in Manchester. Hi, Richard. Well, good morning, Mike. Morning. Well, afternoon, um, I should I, say. Sorry. Good afternoon. Just about, isn't it? Just I, about. I was, um, I was on the phone uh, last week when Nancy Pelosi came uh, uh, to um, to Ireland uh, to pontificate. Yes, uh, I don't mean that in a nasty way. No, about uh, about what what is going on, and she purposely said because my sister lived in California, so they hate Trump in a big way, and uh, they love the Democrats. And of course, uh, Pelosi is the big noise in the Democrats. She is. Sent her a to do a job here, and that job is to try to put the two pennies in with regards to stopping Brexit, yeah. along with a lot of other people. Mm. And uh, I, I did say at the time, it's a very, very delicate situation in uh, in in Ireland, with Veradka is under great pressure, and, uh, and the people up in the north, as you know, the DUP are under great pressure. Mm. And for her to come and say there will be no deal, this was to get back at Trump, I'm sure, in my opinion, there will be no deal between England, UK and America. If, uh, if Brexit um, uh, comes off, there will be no deal whatsoever. Well, that's like a red flag to mm. a bull. And he was saying about the peace treaty in Northern Ireland must be honoured at all costs. Yes. And I think that this gives these people who have a say, uh, I'm not saying it's democratic, but if you know a bit about the history with what happened with the IRA and how it was funded by the Americans in the first place in New York, they were throwing $100 into, into bags to enable them to defend themselves and, you know, the IRA and so on. So it's a Well, there was a, there was a newspaper that was published in New York that used to contribute to the IRA coffers, and there were places in Boston where you could go and just hand money over the, over the bar, uh, which would yeah. end up back in Belfast. You're absolutely right. So to come in to, at this particular time and to sort of give an opinion, I don't know whether Pelosi knows about the history, um, but she's probably only given a few facts. It's a very, very, very delicate thing, yeah. dating from 1916 and the uprising, and you have to be careful what you say. I've had relations who have been out there and done four tours. I've got relations in Belfast, even at this moment, people in Donegal and Derry itself, and uh, you've got to be careful what you say, even now after sure. being there for 40 years. And, and this um, incites people to go. And, and, and at one time, um, when that bomb went off at the church, do you remember that, Mike, not too long ago? Yeah. Uh, sorry, outside, was it the police station or the courts? Yeah. It, it, was, a, it was a one-off thing that some young kids 
uh, set a bomb off. And I always sit and I wait now, because I'm an old man, I think, who's going to come on next? Lo and behold, my old friend, Lord Adonis, oh, and did you not hear about the bomb? Things are going to kick yes. off in Northern Ireland. Well, and I mean, it's, that's a, it's, it's a staggering thing that, that people would use anything like that for political um, purposes, but they do, unfortunately. I, but you're quite right. I mean, the problem is, this has ne- ne- a lot of this stuff has never gone away. Um, and we've sort of taken our eyes off it. Um, but the idea about the Good Friday Agreement somehow being completely and utterly irrevocable uh, because it's all worked terribly well. Yeah, it's worked up to a point terribly well, but it hasn't worked terribly well for everybody. No, and your point about uh, people taking advantage of a situation, as it is now, to say, oh, if Brexit comes off, yeah. then Ireland is going to burn, mm. that's a disgrace. And we all know the people are who have done it. I mean, Mo Molan wrote a great book. I don't know whether you've read it. And she said she, she gave her life. As you know, she ended up with cancer, brain cancer in yeah. the end. And she gave her life for it. And in the end, people like uh, Blair and a couple of others from America, um, they, they, they came over and signed a the peace treaty, but it's the one, it's like Birkenshaw, he's got cancer now because he was doing that job for a long time. Yeah. And it, 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 it's not conducive and, and you have to live there, are people living there and to, to, to know that, you know, your your niece has been tarred and feathered and yeah. we bring them across here to Manchester where they, they get looked after royally, you know. Yeah. They, they don't understand these things and they shouldn't be mouthing an opinion. Probably people will say, oh, well, he shouldn't be mouthing an opinion either, but yeah. you, you just sort of let things go and I hope this girl's death, and I was in tears over it, is not it's in It's awful. Vain. It's awful. And also, how staggeringly uh, arrogant and ghastly of the so-called, you know, new IRA to apologise for killing her by accident. I mean, who do they think they are? It's absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Shocking. Uh, but the Protestants, the, the, the Protestants over there are more British than us, Mike, and the Catholics want their land back, yeah. which they lost in 1916. It's as simple as that, and it's going to take a long time. Mm to get that peace treaty done. But whilst people are stirring it up all the time and scoring political points, these things are going to happen. God bless the family yeah. of that girl. I know. Um, Shocking. Know. Richard, I appreciate your sentiments. Thank you very much. You're absolutely right, of course. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.